Hey friends, this is Minor Issues and I'm Lily Halloran. As wildfires rage across America, we're facing the direct impacts of climate change. Yet some people are still having trouble accepting the facts. To learn more about the movement to address climate change, I turn to the experts, teenagers. Because this crisis directly threatens our future, teen activists across the world have started to speak out. In this special two-part series, I talk with three of those teens. This week, Marla tells us about how she was prompted to join the climate community, explains what fracking is, and how she envisions our future, among other things. Thank you for tuning in to part two. Hope you enjoy. Prejudice. The healthcare debate. Police brutality. Pollution. Mass incarceration. This is Minor Issues. My name is Marlo Baines. I am the youth director for Earth Guardians, a global nonprofit youth-led organization that focuses on amplifying and providing youth with the tools and resources needed to make them successful youth leaders. So what's an example of climate change? In Colorado, where I'm from, we've been experiencing terrible air quality due to huge ravaging wildfires in our state and surrounding areas. We also have gotten snow in the past few days, and the day before the storm hit, it was 90 degrees and dropped almost 45 to 50 degrees. This directly correlates to the climate crisis. It's not just about the polar bears or, you know, the weather affecting us. It's actually impacting and it's hurting and it's breaking apart communities. What prompted you to address the climate crisis? I got involved in advocating for climate justice back when I was 14 years old. I had an opportunity and privilege to go up to Standing Rock and see that the climate crisis is directly impacting people. There was a a pipeline called the Dakota Access Pipeline, um, which was originally proposed to be routed north of Bismarck, predominantly white city in North Dakota. And it was then routed differently by the company responsible for building it further south, adjacent to the Standing Rock Sioux Reservation, under their only water source, which was also the beginning of the Missouri River. So if you do some research and some calculations, that water also is responsible for sustaining millions and millions of U.S. citizens. A youth suicide prevention group saw that and they didn't want it on their land. It wasn't put there with their consent. And so what happened is thousands of people across a span of like nine months gathered on the Standing Rock Sioux Reservation and made an encampment to block this pipeline. And it lasted quite a few months and the Obama administration um, actually said that they couldn't build it and then Trump got elected. And that was one of the first things that he did was sign to make sure that the Dakota Access Pipeline went through. So it was very devastating. And at the same time, it was such a huge spark of inspiration for people all across the globe, especially in bringing back indigenous knowledge and wisdom. So how have you been involved in climate strikes? I helped actually putting together the first climate strike that happened in uh, Boulder, Colorado back in March 15th, 2019. I was really inspired by the simplicity of climate strikes. All it took was you grabbing a sign and expressing that you are standing for a change in the climate. I began organizing with my local Earth Guardians crew so that we could put on an event in Boulder and it grew into this pretty crazy, amazing experience. 
Greta actually came to Colorado and we had over 10,000 people show up, which was insane. When you're striking or advocating for climate justice, what issue is the most important to you? I would probably say the intersectionality between climate and social issues. The climate crisis at the moment is impacting lower income communities, which are predominantly black and brown indigenous communities. It's not okay because it's climate oppression, it's climate injustice. And what I've seen work the most in, you know, in dealing with these issues is when we build strong, vibrant local community. That's what's very near and dear to my heart is supporting people in learning how they can go back into their communities and create the change that they want to see. How do you approach situations where people are actively denying the existence of climate change? One of my answers is don't engage. I mean, if they really, really do deny climate change, it's not worth your energy. You know, you can begin in having a conversation and finding a middle ground. Maybe you say, you know, recently I've been seeing that because of these wildfires, it's really impacting our agricultural system. How do you feel about that? And then from there, you might actually have a discussion and slowly potentially change their opinion or the way that they see this issue. But in the grand scheme, your energy, your time is very, very precious. And don't use it against people who are negatively going to take away your energy or negatively begin a conversation. Just protect yourself, protect your voice, and protect what you believe. Do your part in sharing and expressing with people, but if you're finding that active opposition, don't engage too much. So we rely so much on politicians to actually address the climate crisis. How do you feel about their treatment of it? Oh, so extremely frustrating. I would say, though, the beauty is um, our local governments. So whether that is your city, county, or state, that's where you're going to have a lot of influence. And I've seen the impacts of this within Colorado and Boulder County in specific is if you show up to county commissioner meetings and city council meetings, the politicians are going to probably listen to you more than if you're trying to go and get the president to make a huge change. It begins to go from the bottom to the top. As frustrating as politics is, there is some hope when you really start to redirect your energy towards locality. After this quick break, Marlo and I will continue the conversation about climate change. Stay with us. Thanks for staying with us. Pretty soon we'll be donating all of our ad revenue from the past few months to Black Lives Matter and choosing a new charitable organization to donate to. If you have any suggestions, please feel free to reach out. Now back to the show. When I first learned about climate change, the first thing that came up was fracking. So would you just mind really quick explaining what that is? Fracking is a process of fracturing the rock to get out and process natural gas. It's super time intensive and it's super resource intensive. It takes millions and millions of gallons to get small amounts of natural gas. It's just providing this really nice layer of VOCs, uh, volatile organic compounds into our air and carcinogens because what they do with the water before they shoot it in is they mix it with a bunch of different chemicals, which 
it's like hundreds of chemicals and none of the fossil fuel industries have disclosed what's in the actual water fluid that they make. Lots of people call it the water cocktail, the deathly cocktail that they um, inject into the ground because it's so toxic. And once the water comes back up, it cannot go back into the water table. And so they have to put them in either like holding tanks or these evaporation pools So it's just a really destructive industry and it's really not regenerative in any way, shape or form. What do you envision for the future of our society? I would love if we didn't have to have youth fighting for our climate, fighting for a future, our water, air and basic human rights protected and supported. It's ridiculous that we have to even defend those pieces of our literal biology. So I would hope that people see this as just basic human rights and that we support and make sure that every person is, you know, taken care of. I would love to see more focus on public transportation. Being able to not have to drive as many cars is definitely important and having these transitions of public transportation and seeing our government's ban any more fossil fuel infrastructure because I have personally seen the detriments of the fossil fuel industry in Colorado. We are one of the most fracked states. And I'm going to add in one last more, which is solar electric wind powered energy because it's a lot more sustainable and it's actually a lot more regenerative and supportive. How can young people find ways to get involved in this movement? I would say get involved at the local level, see what issues are plaguing where you live and see where your your passion and inspiration sparks up. So if you're into politics, go and petition your local city council, show up to these different hearings and meetings. And if you are into art, make these raucous, thought-provoking art pieces to get people thinking. You know, there's so many different ways of tackling this issue and we need all of them to get to the place that we want to be. So find what you're passionate about and get involved. Go out and vote. Make a smart vote. So that means go and do your research. Make sure you know who you're voting for and what. Look at how their campaigns and propositions are being funded because companies can have a huge influence and sway on politics due to money. Money can buy politicians. Money can buy their support. Also, do you have any specific organizations or initiatives that us young people should follow or look into if we want to get involved? Of course, I'm going to say follow Earth Guardians on Instagram at Earth Guardians. Um, And you can also check out our website. We have a really cool program. Earth Guardian crews are really about signing up and starting your own local crew in your town. And from there, looking at what you're passionate at and then what the issues within your town and city that you want to tackle. And then getting your community together and putting on these different projects, initiatives, and campaigns And we're really here to support you. We have this new online resource center where you can take courses on how to be an Earth Guardian crew leader. So I definitely say check those out. Another thing that I would really, really recommend to all of our youth leaders is doing anti-racist work. It's really important to figure out ways to support the communities. I would say check out a few different things. The podcast 1619 done by the New York Times is amazing. Uh, Between the World and Me is a book. It is an essay from a 
black man to his young son about being a black man in America. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Minor Issues. Our producer is Eunice Bekarov, and I'm your editor and host, Lily Halloran. Thanks to Marlo for sharing all of your insights with me this week. If you just discovered Minor Issues, we're glad you're here. You can visit linktr.ee slash minorissuespodcast to find our website, send us a voice message, support us on Patreon, or follow our Instagram at minorissuespodcast. There's a link to that in this episode's description. Be on the lookout for a bonus episode coming soon and our formal introduction of our new team. Next episode, which will be released in two weeks on October 14th, is all about vaccines. I talked with a teen activist who explains why they're important, lets us know ways teens can get involved, as well as provides information on the COVID-19 vaccine. I forgot to do a fun fact last week, but this week's fun fact about me is my favorite color is yellow. Have a great week. Have a great week.